The Rights to Ricky Sanchez podcast is presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. Download their top-rated app and sign up for DraftKings Sportsbook using promo code RTRS. Brought to you by Adam Kasabi, the official realtor of the process, serving the Delaware beaches, processrealtor.com. Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yours with the process pup patches at bigbarker.com slash Ricky. LL Pavorsky Jewelers, where Rice Ricky Sanchez listeners go and get engaged, and the great kinetic skateboarding. Uh, get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. On the show today, it's official. Doc Rivers is the new head coach of the Philadelphia 76ers. Internet press release and all. All the beat writers screenshotting the press release and tweeting it out. It's a very exciting morning here uh, in Sixers land. Lakers up 2-0 in the fake bubble finals over the uh, Miami Heat. And finally, we go through and clear out the mailbag that has needed it for weeks. Uh, two things before we get going. Subscribe to our YouTube channel for the full show in video as well as highlight clips each day. So um, I guess I, I don't know how to tell. Just go to YouTube and search for us and subscribe. And uh, even my father has donated to our Bark in the Park team. We are up to $6,600. Our goal is $10,000. We have less than three weeks to go. Uh, either donate by going to our website or sign up for the team. Raise 50 bucks and get the t-shirt by going to our website. Um, we're raising money for the Providence Animal Center. Here's what happens. They save the animals and then we support them who saves the animals. Um, and thanks to Big Barker and L.L. Pavorsky for being this year's sponsors of the team. Without any further ado, Amos and the Chef. Larry, sweetie, the man is We will write y'all, we will write, even when it went wrong, we will write, we was right y'all, we will write, so say the name, say the name, we will write y'all, we will write, even when it went wrong, we will write, we will write y'all, we will write, so say the name, say the name, say the name. Welcome to the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast. I'm Spike Eskin, along with a guy who not only has not had a haircut since March, I don't believe has even trimmed his own hair since March. That is Mike Levin. No, not even close. And February, maybe even January, because I needed a haircut when, when ha this all started. Wow, that's unfortunate. So, yeah. yeah. And you're just... So now I'm growing it out, yep. going for, I think, aiming for a Tim Riggins eventually. It's, grow it's going slowly, but... I don't know. I, Who gives a shit? I was going to say, it seems like, given the length of time, I don't remember how much hair you had when it started. It does seem like it's going slowly. I remember when I grew my hair out long, there, there, the points where you hit these plateaus seem to last forever. And it seems like you've been at a similar place for a little while. Now. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And who did you compare it to? What? Uh, Tim Riggins from Friday Night Lights. Oh yes, that would be great. I would love. I would love that. That's what I'm going for. Yeah, this, um, it'll be less wet. Mm -hmm. His hair always seems to be wet. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. 
I don't. I really don't know where we're going with it. We're just. I'm just along for the ride. Yeah, yeah. I mean, everybody's got to grow their hair out, hair out once in their lives. I think. Um, I remember when I did it. Um, I got it down to like my shoulder, and like the rain and going to the gym became really difficult for me. And I just sort of had a, a like a anxiety thing about it one day, and came home and took clippers and shaved my whole head. So. It, uh, yeah. it lasted a little while, but it does take a while to grow out. I respect it. I just wanted to tell you I respect it. Yeah, uh, this you. week's five-star Apple podcast review, we're up to 2,748 on our way to 3,000, brought to you by Kinetic Skateboarding. Get 9.1% off your first order with promo code Dave Silver. They were... Uh, they were doing a, uh, I think, a raffle for the Supreme sticker. Somebody's going to have to su- explain the Supreme thing to me one day. I don't understand. I, I guess it's just a brand that people like. Does it mean anything? Um, uh, it's not going to be me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know either. One day. Uh, anyway, uh, go to kineticskateboarding.com for all the gear. This is, uh, this is the Spike Eskin Pro Model hoodie. Love it. Uh, subject line, uh, Spike is an anti-vaxxer, question mark. Uh, review is Spike an anti-vaxxer. I feel like he is. I don't know that I've ever given off anti-vax vibes. I hope that I haven't. I am not an anti-vaxxer. I am, I am pro-vax. Please get your children vaxxed. <laughs> when have I ever done that? That's so unfair. I, I don't like that one at all. All right, Doc Rivers. It's official. The press release comes out. Elton Brand says yada, yada, yada. Uh, Doc Rivers says yada, yada, yada. Uh, it's reported to be a five-year deal. Uh, we, we hoped that he would get as much money as he could out of the team. And my guess is five years, maybe close to 60 million. I bet they're playing, paying him 10, 10 million plus a year. So that would be. Mm. Uh, Michael Connor did a, we, we talked a lot about uh, Doc Rivers on Wednesday. And I feel like on some level, because we're so incensed with the front office stuff, we're almost treating the coach thing as if it is like a B-level story rather than an A-level story. It, I, I can't muster up the excitement to talk about it like an A-level story, I guess. <laughs> Not at all. Yeah. Not even close. Right? Okay. It's like it's like signing up for uh, classes the next semester when you're like, I'm dropping out. <laughs> I'm fucking leaving <laughs> this place. That's exactly what it's like. They don't fucking... They're, they're not, yeah, I'll take this class. Great. Yep. Archaeology. Yep. Fine. Or, or like going to work when you know you're giving your notice in a couple of weeks is like, mm-hmm. yeah. In your heart, you really want to say you're going to give it your all, but... No one's, I, you know, I've been, I've actually been a couple of times at work, the post two weeks notice guy at work. And you say you're going to go to all the meetings and stuff, but then you realize nobody really gives a shit what you have to say anymore. Um, so anyway, so I'm, I'm going to try, we're going to try to give it a little more than we gave it the other night, but I, I don't know that there's too much. Mike O'Connor wrote a good thing on writesrickysanchez.com, sort of a, a tutorial on Doc Rivers. There's a lot out there. From from all I so I've broken it down into positives and negatives. Aside from the fact that it, it doesn't matter that much, I, I don't think. But the positives and negatives, everything. I, <coughs> excuse me, everything I read, everything I know, everything that Mike read. One positive seems to will simplify the offense and do sorts of things that Brett Brown didn't. Brett seemed to have a very pass-heavy offense that led to a lot of turnovers that they could never seem to grasp. Uh, that was, you know, made even more difficult by the turnover every year. Uh, but it does seem as if 
Doc Rivers has done good things for big men and will simplify what they're doing. Now, he's also had very, very good uh, perimeter-creating players in at all of his stops where he's done well, and he doesn't quite have that here, but it does seem like he will, will simplify things. Uh, maybe. I mean, I, I don't know that I could say with any level of certainty what the Sixers complicated offensive foundation was last season well last season for sure yeah um it it seemed to be like just really clunky Mm -hmm. like if if there's like a if you're playing a video game and you're like okay should we space the floor uh should we play fast should we play like post up and there's like or should we just be clunky like that's the there's like a drop down menu for just like clunky and like i'll pick the pick that and everyone's kind of standing in the same place Mm -hmm. and like not really sure Who's doing what? Um, it would. I don't know. I mean, I guess yeah. uh, to me, it's just all. It's all. It's such a personnel thing. Like, I don't think the coach was the problem last year, yep. and I don't think it'll be the problem this year. It is. It. It will depend on them getting any level of cohesion from their from a personnel standpoint, which they seem to. You know, cohesion. I didn't know was like a partisan issue, but the Sixers thought it was. They were going to zag. <laughs> <laughs> when everybody else was zigging and thought like cohesion bad, we don't know co- no cohesion, no thank you. It, the uh, it's funny though the I I've sort of you know we've said over and over and over again unless you have one of the great coaches or one of the terrible coaches it a lot of it is most of it is determined by personnel. But I was reading a thing from uh, on NBC Sports uh, Haberstrow that like wanted to push back on people criticizing him. Doc Rivers for blowing three, three, one leads. I'm like, well, you're going to give him credit for winning a championship, mm-hmm. right? So we're going to give him credit for all the good things that happened. So we, we have to talk about the bad things that happened too. It's all part of it. Um, and uh, most of it has to do with the players on the court. Um, he, yeah. He, to be clear, I'm not saying coaching like, doesn't matter no, at yeah, all. Yeah, right. I'm just saying it's, it's such a secondary concern mm-hmm. for me at this point. And all three coaching candidates were all like good to very good, mm-hmm. but also wouldn't have really made that much of a difference of how I feel about the team. Um, I think anyone with like really strong coaching takes about Ty Lue or Mike D'Antoni or Doc Rivers, it's like, you don't know. Like they're all, they're all pros. Like they've all been doing this for a while. Mm-hmm. Ty Lue obviously for less time. Um, two of them have won championships. Uh, the other one has been like, consistently good most places he's been and and revolutionized the sport like there's certainly pros for all of them but also if they were the best coach of all time they wouldn't be available right the well i I would say of the three coaches the only thing that i was specifically interested in the only thing that i found interesting was the idea of d'antoni in the offense that was the, yeah. the the only thing, and that doesn't mean it was better or or only because it was. It seemed to be the the, the yes. exact opposite yeah. of uh, of what they had personnel. Right, uh, as I mentioned, Doc Rivers has seemed to get a lot out of big men, uh, whether it is DeAndre Jordan or Blake Griffin or mm-hmm. Kevin Garnett um, or even Montrezl Harrell. That he's. He has done a good job with uh, with big guys. Um, that is not something that D'Antoni has done. So that is a would seem to be a positive. Yeah, the league the league has changed uh, even in just a few years since like Blake and DeAndre mm-hmm. were the guys there. Um, but that's certainly the 
closest comparison to Simmons and Bede. Um, obviously, they're they're different skills, but as far as like size and body goes, and and Bede takes more threes than DeAndre Jordan, obviously, but he doesn't love doing it. Um, he unlocked or Doc unlocked Blake as more of a ball handler, which Simmons is obviously good at now, but um, has a little struggles to find more purpose in the half-court ball handling than he does in transition. It's interesting. I mean, honestly, just get JJ back. Ye- Make it a little more drama for, for you personally. I don't and, care. Uh, and then cares. just, you know, fluidity for everybody else. He would have to come on the pod if he came back, even though he's banned. <laughs> we would, he would have to. Yeah, but how are we going to coexist, right? We'd have to, we'd run up the flagpole of the Sixers front office and be like, all right, in the, the terms of the trip, <laughs> can you just please, we promise to, yeah. you know, settle down speak a positively bit. about him, yeah. not mention the person in the trunk or the, the Chinese New Year thing or uh, well, everything's in the back. <laughs> that that one was, I, that's you. I thought that's a, that's a straight up misspeak. It's, wow. I don't, I don't, want, to, I don't want to get into it. A word. Yeah, I don't want to get into it. I, Ridiculous. It, it, the calling that a misspeak is like calling certain things autocorrect on like, on like tweet. Sometimes things autocorrect. Man, I, <laughs> nuggets on. never autocorrects at, to, to like, I don't know. I, I guess that's <laughs> what I'm saying. All right. Um, uh, wait, I was going to say one more thing. Oh, uh, speaking of big men, I'm watching uh, Lakers Heat last night. And on one time, at one point in the court, while they were winning, it w- well, they even start these guys. Dwight Howard, Anthony Davis, LeBron James. And to the point of talent rather than coaching, there are three, those are three, you know, like power forward type center players. The power forward player starting at quote-unquote point guard this year, um, one of whom does not shoot at all. Uh, and by the way, one of whom who is, has been disruptive in every stop he's ever been at until now in Dwight Howard. And look at them about to win the NBA championship just because two of those players are two of the five best players in, in the NBA, maybe one in three or something like that. Like, it does come down to the how good the players play sometimes. Yeah, and, and nobody's uh, nobody's going. Thank God, Frank Vogel finally unlocked Anthony Davis and and uh, uh, LeBron James. Like, well, it's just about putting them in positions where the other. It's like so much. So much of it is buy-in, mm-hmm, right? Yeah. And the other guys on the team, like for the most part, with the exception of like, I would say Kuzma has a little bit of like creation abilities and. Rondo, Rondo. but everybody else is pretty much just like, I'll just stand where you tell me to stand. I'll shoot when you tell me to shoot. I'll swing. Like it's, it's such a simplified thing, um, because they have two guys who are basically unguardable, uh, one-on-one they have to help. And then they help off guys that are willing to take those shots and take them quickly. And the Sixers with Tobias, with Josh, with, with Al, like just did not make those people pay and too often Embiid was not willing to make those quick passes out of the post although he's gotten better at it slowly over the course of his career um and Simmons was sometimes standing around too much and so like if you make if you make it make sense those guys can play together what but it has to make sense and also LeBron is way better than Ben Simmons and of course and at this point even though head-to-head Embiid has dominated Anthony Davis Anthony Davis is better than Embiid like he just is right now. Um, yeah. Uh, he now it, for a lot of the positives, there are also like weird, like 
like bizarro negatives, like the other side of Doc or whatever. On one hand, he definitely has cachet. People respect him. You would think mm-hmm. that the players would immediately respect him because of who he is. That said, there has been like locker room stuff, uh, like, I don't know, all the time. I mean, not all the time. <laughs> for, for sure. You know, like, sure. it's so the, this, the, you know, Blake Griffin broke his hand beating up a trainer and everybody hated Chris Paul. Um, this year, I mean, the only way they fire Doc Rivers is if the players don't want to keep him, specifically Kawhi and Paul George. And, and by the way, you likened them to Ben and Embiid in their great players, but not particularly leaders thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and even in Boston, there was like a Rondo, Ray Allen thing. Not that they're his fault, but for a guy who's like one of his calling cards at this point should be that he is respected. It's like when it comes down to it, you know, it's on the players, I think, to to buy in. I I, I don't know. It, it's it's, yeah. it's a weird thing, right? He has the interesting, like, he's both a player's coach, which I think might just be a little bit like... He's a he's a blackhead coach, and I think people are like, well, the players love him because he's black, black and like right. I think there's a little bit of that in there, yeah. um, and and which sort of discounts the like him as a tactician and like running an offense and stuff, and as if like you know only the white coaches can be like creative uh, play callers and and schemers and stuff, and the black coaches are just like there to have a good time, um, which is tough. But he's also a disciplinarian, you know, like he's not a. He's not a go with the flow guy. So to be a to be labeled as a, a player's coach and also a a guy who's like a bit of a hard ass uh, is interesting. But he's had success a bunch of places. Um, he's been in the league a long time. He's eleventh winning eleventh winningest coach in NBA history. Um, so there's there is definitely that there. Um, I don't I don't know what to expect on that level. I think every good team has some drama friction and like yeah yeah, and like little skirmishes within them like no one's talking about like i don't know the charlotte hornets drama this season because they didn't fucking matter but like if you're get if you get good if you get into the playoffs i think you could look at every single playoff team and especially every team that like moved forward at all and be like well that was an issue that was seemed like a like a chemistry thing or whatever because you know on a basketball team especially the longer you play with them, especially when you're in a, uh, a hermetically sealed bubble um, and unable to leave or see your family, uh, there's going to be people that don't like each other, you know? Mm-hmm. And so I think you look at every team and say that. Um, so I don't I, I don't really hold that against him because that's everywhere, but um, I also don't think he's going to be like, kumbaya, we're going to get the pictures of Ben and Joel kissing that I want. Um, <laughs> but I, I think that's not like a you real two. concern for me. Fucking kiss. Kiss, kiss. already. Kiss. Uh, speaking of Ben and Joel, I want to get to that right in a second. We'll get to it right after we talk about our uh, our lovely sponsor, Adam Kasabi, the official realtor of the process. A, a positive, uh, another, the, the positive Adam Kasabi uh, emails are flowing in. K-S-E-B-E is Kasabi. Hi, Spike and Mike. I just wanted to write you about the great experience I had with Adam Kasabi. My partner and I were looking to buy our first house in the Philly area, but the fact that we don't have, quote, normal jobs was making it difficult to secure a mortgage. I just had a deflating conversation with a lender implying I couldn't get a mortgage for a home of any price. 
I was depressed and listening to the Ricky before bed when you read an ad for Adam. On a lark, I decided to send Adam a way, way too long email in case he had any advice. Why is it on a lark? He's a realtor. You're looking for a house. Yeah. A lark would be asking LL about yeah. uh, houses in the Delaware Beach. On a lark, I said it all to him in wingdings. Mm-hmm. Um, we weren't looking in Delaware, and I don't think Adam even owed me a response. However, he, re- he got back to me really quickly with a detailed email with a ton of advice. He took time to think about our specific situation. Most importantly, he sent us to his lenders, Paul and Jillian. Unlike other lenders who lost interest in my partner and I once they realized there'd be any complications, Paul and Jillian put in a ton of time to learn about my partner and my situation, collect a ton of documents in advance, and get us approved. We just closed on a house in Delco. Congratulations. Um, Love it. I honestly don't think this would have been possible without them, which means it definitely wouldn't have been possible without Adam. Um, Adam knew there was nothing in for him replying to us. We had already had a realtor and we weren't buying in Delaware, but he still took the time. That's what that tells you all you need to know about him. Um, he's great, man. He can sell you a house at the Delaware beaches, which would be awesome. All, all people are thinking about is buying homes away from big cities at this point. So if you want one of the Delaware beaches, Adam's your guy. If you don't, he's still your guy because he'll connect you to uh, the person that can help you, whether it's a realtor or a lender. He helped me with a refinance. Um, I'm now 2.75%. I'd love to brag about that, the refinance. Get to Adam, 302-864-8643, or email. You can text him at that number, too, or email adam at processrealtor.com. Adam Kasabi, the official realtor of the process. Okay, Ben and Joel. So as soon as it comes out, as soon as the, uh, the, the what's it called, the... Uh, the Philly beat writers and Woj tweet out that the Doc Rivers thing is done. Um, Joel Embiid tweets happily, uh, welcome to Philadelphia, Philly forever, excited what we're building here in Philly. Uh, It is my understanding that Doc Rivers, of the three coaches we heard about, Doc Rivers was by far the favorite of Embiid, uh, which he reacted to. Yeah. I didn't know that, and that is a happy thing to hear. Yes. Um, uh, and how, however, um, now I, like, you know, you don't look too deep into this and, until you f- feel like it, it's really sort of like an unnamed source in that you want to believe it. If it means, if, if you feel like it means something to you, then it does. If you feel like it doesn't, then it doesn't like sort of like that. None of the Clippers players tweeted about Doc Rivers when he left that can either mean something to you or it doesn't. The exact same time that Joel Embiid posts a tweet about Doc Rivers, Ben Simmons posts uh, an Instagram post with him working out. Um, Since then, he has not posted anything on Twitter or Instagram about Doc Rivers. Um, He's posted a couple of different things, but nothing about Doc Rivers. So I don't know. That's my, I don't know. It's sort of weird. Sure. Is it sort of, it's sort of weird, right? Did Tobias? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, but Tobias doesn't fucking matter. Um, I mean, he matters. Well, Tobias was coached by Doc yeah, before so we and had the best season of his well, career, and we're paying him the most money. So he matters a little. Um, Tobias hasn't. Yeah, I don't know. Well, Tobias hasn't tweeted since August 14th. So. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I. Would I, like, I'd rather them kiss than all tweet the things that we want them to tweet, mm-hmm. but it, it doesn't, it's not a okay. high, high on my priority list of, okay. but you're the tea leaf guy. So you yeah, tell me, I don't know. I like it. 
it's weird. I, I sort of think on some level, the, and not sort of think, definitely think, in how they've treated all this thing, the organization has been responsible in, in to some extent, making it a Ben or Joel thing. I, I think there are a lot of factors, right? Like there's the on-court thing. There's the fact that they're not like personality-wise, they're not like very similar. Uh, they, they don't seem to like be best buddies or anything. There's the agency thing. That's another thing, like one CAA and one's clutch. And that seems to be a, at least a little bit of a thing. So everything's a thing. And I just think it's weird that one comes out all on board and the other one doesn't. But also Ben doesn't tweet a lot. He does Instagram a lot. He doesn't tweet a lot. I don't know. Seems like something that he would do, but maybe it doesn't mean anything. I don't know. Yeah. The, and the last thing that I would say is the potential negative for Doc is that there are at least a few whispers that um, he has been sort of checked out for the last few years. Uh, even hearing- How would those whispers sound? What's that? How would those whispers sound like in the, in the whispery voice that you're thinking of? <laughs> yeah, like that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I just wanted to I just wanted to envision it. Yeah. Well, you know, it was that was what I that was what I heard. So, um I don't know. Uh, overall, it is fine. It does seem like sort of a um they treated it like pop was available, I guess, in like it sort of seems like the Sixers thought this was like a once in a lifetime chance to get Doc Rivers. Whereas to me, it just sort of seems like a normal coach hire, um, but it's fine. They could have done much worse, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I think all these guys are good. I'm very almost relieved to hear that Embiid was consulted and happy about this. I don't know if he was um, consulted, but I can tell you that my 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 uh, understanding is that he was very happy right i would life. guess that there's if not formally consulted then right. maybe like uh you know whispers <laughs> maybe whispers maybe um sort of just like uh hey you know caa if you guys he's he's cool with this right like who does mm -hmm. he would want this okay cool um it seems to line up there was the reporting i forget who did it i don't know uh you tell me but the like they were the front the elton and the owners were split on d'antoni versus tyloo Oh, I don't remember that one. Uh, it's and then possible. when this came, it was like they were like butting heads there. And then when this came, it was a, a like a relieving third door well, type of thing. It is it is funny that like that Brian Seltzer, the Sixers reporter, good guy, I love Brian, uh, tweeted out that like Elton Brand said he'd take his time. He was thorough, yada yada yada. And they hired <laughs> the guy that just got fired two days ago. <laughs> Yeah, he was thorough, he was taking his time, and then he just screamed when he saw the best deal of a lifetime. <laughs> so, um, whatever. Uh, congratulations, Sixers, on a new head coach. You could have done much worse, I think. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, again, we've, we've, we've maybe had a few Scott O'Neill-less podcasts, mm -hmm. and maybe that's good. Maybe people, <laughs> we've said what we had to say about it. But, like, the... Leadership structure in this organization is nebulous at best and like malpractice, incompetence. Like they're lying to us. Yeah. <laughs> they, they are uh, abdicating responsibility for what got them here. Like the Sixers, like there's an argument to be made that the Sixers had like 
could beat this Lakers team in the finals. <laughs> like with the with the current like players on the team, and if you had just swapped out like one, I'm not even asking for the whole thing, like one different thing, then they could have been there. And to not realize that over the course of the season, let alone prior to the season, it's aggravating. I'm not anticipating that we have 15 healthy years of Joel Embiid's career. So every year where it looks like, man, this could have been it if they had just gotten their shit together, pisses me off. They're wasting my time. Like the government wasting a year of my life while I'm stuck in this goddamn apartment. The Sixers are wasting a year of my life while they're starting eight power forwards. It's remarkable. Well, it's remarkable. And I'm, I, that's why it's like, look, good for Doc. I hope he gets paid all the money. I think he's an absolutely good to great coach, not an elite coach. Um, but will he help? Probably. If Embiid's happy, great. But like front office or owners, whatever the fuck, like set up a clear delineation of who's in charge of what. Fire the other people. So stop, stop leaking to Keith, Keith Pompey that analytics were mysteriously <laughs> responsible for starting 18 power forwards. It's, it's, in, it's infuriating. We, what are we doing? We are the absolute biggest joke in the league. We have a lot of, imagine having this good coach, this many good players and still being the biggest joke in the league. Yeah. Swept, swept in the first round. Yeah. The, well, and, and by the way, they, they wound up with Doc Rivers essentially because of like the owners like star fucking like like basically this came into like doc rivers that's all they do they all, all they do is star fucking. yeah they, doc rivers became available and was like hey do you think if we hired him doc rivers would watch game one of the finals with us i mean we'll, yeah we'll i mean cater the whole thing yeah they're catered they're paying for catering <laughs> i think like i think if they had their if they had their choice like a cameo from jay wright would be the coach of this team <laughs> it's just like a, a hundred dollar cameo <laughs> We'll be like, hey, look who we got. We got a pretty cool guy. He sent a video. He sent a couple of bottles of wine. Well, so that's the coach. The, the one thing that was suggested to me was that um, I should be confident that front office change is still very possible. And if it gets to time where free agency and draft is coming and there's no changes, I should worry. But that they felt that the coaching thing, given what they wanted, was something that they had to take care of first or they would have missed out on the candidates that they were interested in. So I, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly. The entire thing is laughable unless they change that. Um, I still think they would have done much better taking the money that they gave to Doc Rivers and given to a outstanding, proven basketball operations lead who could find a coach that would have been fine just like Doc Rivers. Like, to me, the way this works out is, like, they fail again this year, and then Doc Rivers just gets player personnel control because... Yeah, it is notable that he didn't. Right. It's, it's notable that he didn't, but I, I don't think... I, I don't think, like, the, the book is written on that, that yet, I guess. No, for sure. Yeah, so whatever, um, I, you know. Yeah. Do something about it. Get rid of everybody, and please, whatever you do... Do not give Scott O'Neill Doc Rivers' phone number. Have <laughs> one of your interns get him a phone, a burner. Uh, tell him he is to act like Doc Rivers. Only text and give Scott O'Neill that number. Yeah. Problem solved. That's fair. Or 
pretend it's Doc Rivers' phone number. Pay pay an assistant. Pay me to pretend to be Doc Rivers. Oh, Doc that's Rivers what I'm saying. On a phone for Scott. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. Okay, great. Just have somebody play like like child with a video game with an unplugged controller. There, yeah, yeah, yeah. let them un- please unplug it. Yeah, uh, I will say. Uh, one entertaining element of this is the fact that Mark Zumoff always calls Doc Rivers Glenn because there's only one Doc in Philly, and I think that is a funny, uh, he's gonna maybe, call him Doc. maybe decade-long bit for him to do. I don't think so. I think he's going to call him Glenn. I will bet you anything he calls him Doc. Mm. It's fucking, there's no way he's going to call him Glenn. Or how long? Well, what's the bet? Is he If he ever calls him Glenn, then I win, or if he only calls what's the... How, what are the well, if he ever calls him Doc, I win. Ever? Well, he won't call him Doc because there's only one Doc in Philadelphia, right? So if he, what if what if there's a a heavy majority of Glenn and once in a while a Doc? I would accept one Doc if it was pointed and on purpose, like like he goes, "Oh, Doc Rivers," like sarcastically or something, and then just goes back to Glenn. For, per game or per season? Per season. What? No, that is those are heavy odds, man. Um, that's my position on it. That's my position. Uh, we have a listener. We haven't done a jigsaw in a while, and it's the off season, so I feel like we have a listener submitted jigsaw. So let's do it. Uh, before I just thought you'd enjoy Steve's email. <clears throat> There's not a question in there. Before we give him give you the jigsaw, I, I feel like I need to do him the respect of, of reading it. I really think you're gonna like it. There's been a bunch of stories recently about Elton Brand expecting an extension. If I sympathize with Josh Harris, I can somehow understand it. Here I am doing my morning laps in my pool filled with money like Scrooge McDuck, where I typically ponder my schemes for migrating money from poor people's pockets to mine. But today, I'm thinking about how shitty Elton took it on the chin publicly after that clusterfuck of a season. He's a good guy and a company man. Now that I've told Scott, Ned, and Alex they need to move on, I'd like to reward Elton. Let me call Keith and put this out there. Oh, I need a new mink swimsuit. This one, this one shapes. All kind of makes sense, except no one has been fired. The front office has literally imploded this franchise, and instead of acknowledging that, their first move is to extend the quote-unquote GM of said franchise. Are they completely tone deaf? They are, but they don't care about appearances or winning. The Sixers are an investment property. This place is almost done being rehabbed. Cheap, shitty vinyl floors, eggshell paint, no one that can dribble a basketball. Once they find someone to slap a new roof for free, they're going to have this team on the market the following day with Adam Kasabi doing walkthroughs. There you go. So with that, your jigsaw. Play. I will play this game. Game play. I will play this game. I miss you. I will play this game. I- I'm worried. Play. I will play this game. And after the game, they were interviewing him, and they said, how does it feel to win the ultimate game? And he said, if it's the ultimate game, why are they playing it again next year? Your first option. These are obviously for the rest of your life. Number one, wear diapers for the rest of your life and be changed by your significant other. Number two, sleep with your wife's mom, who will get handsy at family events, but have to keep it a secret for the rest of your life. And sleep with means not just sleep in the same bed, (laughs) to be fully clear. Correct. Yeah, I'll go go diaper. This is an impossible one to answer on the podcast. This this is impossible. Like, yeah, it's a, a funny one, but it has to be diaper, unfortunately. You go diaper... Look, 
Obviously, Alyssa and I have been together a long time. Mm -hmm. We've each seen some shit. Mm -hmm. She can change my diaper <laughs> so I don't have to sleep with her mouth. <laughs> um, I've, uh, why don't we go... So we have some relationship advice in there, but why don't we go mailbag and then back into um, relationship advice. Uh, Lorenzo Braille mailbag, send us me emails, writesrickysanchez at gmail.com. Either has to be a question that is 50% basketball or two questions, one basketball, one not. This is from Michael. Did the Sixers technically trade Kurt Ware's hats for Doc Rivers? Uh, yeah, I think maybe uh, Charlie Widows was sent there yeah. ahead of time. Kurt and Charlie uh, for Doc. Charlie and, Charlie and Kurt for Doc. This is, you could you could sort of manufacture this as part of the uh, the Tobias Harris trade if you want. You could mm. you could really yes. put that in practice. Makes it look make it look a little better, honestly. Yep. Um, all those all those picks and shamets thrown in there. At least uh, yeah. at least we got a doc in there. Uh, this comes from Lyle. Two questions. What's one thing that was enacted because of COVID nineteen that should continue once the virus is gone? Uh, both of you. Um, uh, he wants an NBA-related one, but I would just say non-sports-related. What is one thing that people do now that you would like to stay on after the— Oh, I was going to say uh, starting extra innings with a guy on second. Oh, well, that's non-NBA. Yeah. Yeah, I, that, that does make extra innings more— that, I wasn't in favor of that. I am a baseball traditionalist in that way with the rules, uh, like I'm anti-DH and that sort of stuff, but I mm -hmm. do like the man on second. Yeah, it's fun. It—, it I think it's fun and also just like baseball games like shouldn't be 18 innings. <laughs> they just right. like straight up shouldn't. Right. Um, and uh, there's there's like no difference in fun between like the ninth or tenth inning and like the 14th. So like mm -hmm. let's try to like move things along. Yep. Um, but also it is it's a, it adds another like the thing I like about I'm also not a DH guy, and the thing I like about not DH or the thing I like about not DH is like there's strategy involved. Yes. You have to really consider something, and with the guy on second, you also have to consider something, whether you're the home team or, yeah. the, or the road team. Bunt the guy over, don't bunt the yeah. guy over. There, there is strategy involved. I think it's cool. I would, I'm very happy that handshakes, I am hoping, won't be a thing of the past. I like a handshake. Mm. I mean, a bad handshake is bad, but I, I, I'd say most of my handshakes are very good. Mm. I have like an 80% hit rate on handshakes. I'm okay. And it's a shame because the handshake was blamed. It was never really the handshake's problem. You know, the, right. the, the handshake was sort of like the early, uh, you know, got shot early in this and it really had yeah. nothing to do with him, the handshake. Yeah. The handshake is Brett Brown. Yes. It's really the close talker, which is Scott O'Neill. Um, That's right. And basketball question. This is really not a basketball question, but it's close. If you could get actual proof of aliens and see their bodies in spaceship and it's actually confirmed is real and they do exist and they visited us so the world can finally get their answer instead of grainy footage and people saying they saw it, or you get to know who the person was who exposed Colangelo on his burner accounts and get to know how and why he did it, which one would you choose? 100% the second one, not even close. Oh, I would pick the first one. I'm, a, I'm an aliens guy, you know? Um, I don't care. They're probably there. I mean, Whatever. They have to be there, right? I don't think, like, other, there's, like, I don't know people, I don't know many people from, like, I don't know, Uruguay or, like, Sweden. But, like, they're aliens to me. I don't know them. 
What are we doing? They're fine. Hmm. That, I'm not saying everybody not America is, is an alien. Yeah. But the idea of like uh, someone that we don't know. I mean, if, maybe if they look like crazy, like googly eyed or something like an alien, hmm. then that's then that's fun. But I, I'm not that intrigued by the idea. I think there's enough like problems that need solving here to be like, I hope that there's aliens because then we'll have a <laughs> intergalactic war. No. Wow, you. I, I mean, I just. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't. Seems like a problem. I, <laughs> I hope that I hope that there's not aliens. I hope that we're, I hope that it's just us. Thankfully, it is not the same people working on the aliens thing as it is on like the COVID nineteen. <laughs> are you sure? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Sure. And are they from Sweden or Paraguay? <laughs> I have no idea. I have no idea. Okay. Actually, it's a good point. Uh, before we get to relationship advice, our sponsor, our original sponsor, LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Everyone I don't know is an alien. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> if, I don't, if I haven't met you, you're an alien. <laughs> that was such a weird. I'm I don't just know. trying to run from that part uh, of the. Pod. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Uh, the original sponsor of the Ricky is LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Mike, he is at. First of all, we are just past the four-year anniversary of LL being the uh, first sponsor of the Rights Ricky Sanchez podcast, for which we received a text message with several pictures of all of us together and a, a tiny, tiny video of LL at the Grand Canyon um, from a couple years ago. So congratulations mm -hmm. to LL on four years sponsoring the Ricky. Also congratulations at 199 rings sold to Rights to Ricky Sanchez listeners. Uh, he offered you the chance to be 200. <laughs> He did, as he often does. And then obviously I would have to marry you. <laughs> uh, that would be, that, you marrying us would make it way less likely that we go to LL. If, that's the, uh, <laughs> if those are the conditions. That's the condition, right. LL is, uh, is there for you. He's your, your trusted jeweler. You're not allowed to go to anyone else. It's one of the things about listening to the podcast that everyone has known, but you benefit from. It's a rule that you benefit from. Uh, LL, 32 years, I believe, he has been in business. A, a very low pressure, high quality atmosphere. You go into the store. There's not like an annoying salesperson down your throat. There's only LL in a face shield and a mask, and it's by appointment only, so there shouldn't be any sort of surprises. In any case, he is a good dude that is going to take you through your uh, your engagement ring purchase and make it uh, make you really, really happy with it, make the person you're proposing to really, really happy with it. Uh, a great ring at a great price from a great guy. And, you know, we're not that far away from the holidays, Christmas, whatever, if you need that sort of gift or an anniversary gift, LL is your guy. 215-627-2252 uh, is the phone number. In-store, it's appointment only right now because he wants to keep everything safe, clean in between people, socially distance, all that stuff. 215-627-2252. Email him, lee at llpavorsky.com, uh, or you can tweet at him, at llpavorsky, supporting our Bark in the Park team once again, also a supporter of Coded by Kids, LL Pavorsky Jewelers. Not formally affiliated with Spike Eskin as a <laughs> as someone marrying you. <laughs> that's it. That's for sure. That's definitely right. All right. It is time for relationship advice. I keep my heart under my Uh, 
the song for relationship advice, Eliza Hardy-Jones. Thank you, Eliza. This comes from Anonymous. My non-basketball question comes in the form of relationship advice. I've been dating my girlfriend since January, and we've moved at a pretty fast pace. We moved into an apartment together in May, have already had several conversations about marriage, kids, and what a wonderful future we could have. So far, our relationship has been wonderful. However, her parents are not a fan of me in the slightest bit. See, my girlfriend and I grew up on, quote, opposite sides of the tracks, per se. I come from a poor blue-collar family, while she hails from an upper-middle-class family. To them, I'll never be good enough for their daughter. What should I do to win them over, if that's even something I should try to do? P.S. I'll be emailing L.L. Pavorsky at some point. So what do you do about the parents that don't like you? I've never had that problem. Mm. My, I'm just so likable. Mm-hmm. Undeniable, some say. Undeniably likable. Yeah. The Sixers uh, can attest. They have only warm feelings towards me mm-hmm. and everything I've ever said. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I mean, if there's a, if there's a, if there's a, it's hard to know if 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 the if they're at fault or the parents are just like, you know, shitty. Yeah. And so if they're shitty, then there's nothing. I don't want to tell you to change because if they suck, then fuck them. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. Maybe try to you know find common ground. Sports, isn't that? Yeah, the, that's something calm like sports. Yeah. You know, so I I have had. I had one set of parents that didn't like me, um, but she was terrible, and they were terrible. He was, uh, he used to be in the FBI, the dad, and the, she was from New Hampshire. And her, tough, it, tough parents not like you. Yeah, he, he, he showed me once, basically, like, that he could find out anything about anybody, <laughs> and I just thought to myself, like, dude, what do you think I'm up to, you know? Uh, anyway... Yeah. Uh, but People my, love love to be the tough dad. Yeah, and that is the coolest thing you could do is like show your like kids' significant other <laughs> like Threats. I have a gun. Uh, yeah, I have a gun, and also the 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 full weight of the government <laughs> at my disposal. <laughs> so. Not only can I do whatever I want, I can get away with it. I can get anytime away with you guys like disagree on what movie to see. I'm fucking coming after yeah. you. <laughs> That's um, the coolest thing a dad can do. But my in-laws, my in-laws uh, seem to like me a lot. Here's what I would say. Instead of assuming the worst, they could be shitty, but let's assume that they're not shitty and they're just protective of their daughter who they care about a lot and they're just suspicious. I'm generally suspicious of, you know, people who come close to those close to me. I think the best thing to do is to like, instead of hiding, I'm not saying to bring it up, but instead of hiding from it and like like making it make you smaller, I would say like you got to be undeniably friendly and like open and show them that you're taking care of their daughter. I basically think like my my advice would be that a lot of times when conflict like this happens, you would tend to avoid them because they don't like you or tend to, um, you know, like figure that it's like hopeless. I would say like be overtly friendly is what I would say. And like, that would not, you don't have to bring them a bottle of wine every time you see them, but sort of things like if you are smiling and happy and like 
you know, greet them positively, it is very hard for them to be negative toward you to continue to be and hope that the way that you treat their daughter eventually turns it around. But that's my, my advice. Don't run from it. Don't, don't like, don't let them like convince you basically to just sort of like bow out and let them hate you, make it difficult for them to hate you. That's my advice. Uh, back to the mailbag. This comes from Joey. Hey guys, found the pod this year along with the joy of being a Sixers fan. Just want to say great job and thanks. Basketball question. What do you think makes you qualified to do basketball commentary slash podcasting? Mm, Mike? A great question. Yes. Um, I've, I feel like in some ways I've been doing this podcast my whole life. Not just because we've been doing it for a long time, mm -hmm. but I've lorded my... Uh, upper tier basketball opinions over the people around me for a long time. Mm -hmm. And I think kids I grew up with and my family can attest to that. So I think it's just something I've always been doing. Hmm. Yeah, I, uh, I, I don't know. I, w w what right does anybody have to talk about sports? I don't know. Watch it a lot. I think some people would say that they, you know, if they played it professionally, yeah. they feel like they can. But most people didn't. And yeah. like, I, I, I sort of think like we have as much, I don't know, this podcast isn't, I don't know. I just, I watch a lot of basketball. I tell you what I think. The question yeah. is what makes you qualified to listen? I think like, it's really up to you to listen. There's so many basketball podcasts. Um, if you listen, that's what makes me qualified. You know what? And I think as far as like podcasting goes specifically, not the basketball side, like you obviously work at a radio station, have for a long time. Yeah. And I'm a comedy writer, which is just, yeah. you know, taught, instead of writing the words, I'm saying them with my mouth. Yeah, I would say we're, we're incredibly qualified to do a podcast. The basketball stuff is secondary, maybe, but very qualified sure. to do a podcast. And the uh, second question, non-basketball, what do you think makes you qualified to give relationship advice? <laughs> <laughs> this guy's good. Yeah, he is. I don't know. Nothing. Uh, we got the theme song. We do have a theme song. I don't know. Been in relationships? In a relationship? I don't yeah. know. A, a lot of times relationship advice is just from somebody who cares but not doesn't have any stakes in, yeah. in, in what's going on with you. So it's really just, you know, relationships are pretty the same. The problems are pretty much the same over everybody. So I think it's just about the same way that you would ask a therapist, being able to ask somebody that isn't going to be affected by whether it works out or it doesn't, but does care that it does work out. Is yeah. that fair? I've worked on myself. I can answer your shitty questions. What's this person's name? Joey. <laughs> fake name. Obvious name it could be. Yeah, totally fake name. Um, this comes from Jamie. Uh, Dan also adds a similar question. Hi, guys. During quarantine, I've made it a hobby to ride my bike through the city on most weekend nights, sometimes with the podcast as I ride. This has led me to, your question, to my question, which neighborhoods of Philadelphia do you think each of the Sixers would reside in based on their personalities? I'm sure most of them live in high rises in Center City, but if you had to pick a neighborhood for each, what would it be? This is you. Right. So... Uh, Embiid seems like an old city person to me. Ben Simmons definitely seems like a Rittenhouse person to me. Tobias Harris seems like Passyunk Square. Um, Matisse Thibel is definitely like 
trendy new young guy. So I would say Point Breeze or Fishtown, maybe Fishtown, probably Fishtown. Uh, what other players are there? Um, That's it. <laughs> yeah. Al Horford. Oh, man. Um, Al Horford lives in uh, Lansdale. Yeah, he doesn't live in one. There's no fucking way Al Horford is going to live in South Jersey, for sure. South Jersey. Mm-hmm. Um, Ferk. He wants to, I think Ferk, Corkmiles likes a, Fer- I think he'd be like a fancy place too. I, I feel like Ferk's an old city guy too. Maybe Society Hill, fancy, yet close enough to old city. He's young. Yeah. That's all I got. Um For my basketball question, I know each of you has downplayed the importance of the coach on resolving issues that the team has, but I don't want to seem to be settling for mediocrity from the start of all this coaching search. Mike has mentioned that he thinks there's a hierarchy to coaches in in the league with maybe the 10 or so actually making a difference. Why are we settling for a retread? He mentions MDA or Ty Lue. Uh, we'll include Doc Rivers in that. When the successful organizations like the Heat and the Raptors have guys like Spolster or Nurse. Maybe there isn't a candidate like Nurse, Stevens, or Spo out there now, but maybe my hopes are high for an organization that can't even fire people the right way. Yeah, I mean, both Spolstra and Nurse were promoted from within. Mm-hmm. Um, Nurse had a very odd and varied career coaching career. all yeah. over the world. Mm-hmm. Um, the thing about Eric Spolstra is he, they always talk about him in the video room. Did you know that his dad was president of the Nets? I did not know that. His dad was president of the Nets and uh, is a mentor to Scott O'Neill. Is that true? Gave Scott O'Neill, like, there's a... I've been I've been deep diving on Scott O'Neill. If you haven't listened to the last few podcasts, um, but yeah, there's a story. There's I'll just tell the story. There's a I feel like this is in an interview or something. Okay. Scott O'Neill is um, like I'm 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 losing the, some of the specifics, but the basic idea is like he's a he's like a low level um, assistant or like salesperson. Uh, working for the Nets at the time, and and John Spolstra runs uh, the team. Mm-hmm. He's president, and the the way Scott tells the story is there's this big uh, like front office meeting in an office somewhere, and Scott just happened to uh, go up and print something to the printer like near that office or something, and. Uh, somehow the printer stopped working and so he like gets on his knees and starts like trying to fix it and the way he tells the story is like the meeting ends and it happens to end right at the time as as Scott is fixing the printer and he's like John John Spolster comes out and says hey what uh what are you doing oh my god and Scott goes I'm I'm fixing the the copy machine or whatever and he's like why and Scott says because it's broken like he said, simply because it's broken, and it's like, okay. Later on, Scott gets called into John's John Spolster's office. Scott sa- Scott Scott's telling the story is, I think I'm gonna get fired, or something. And John Spolster goes, Have you ever been in sales or something like that? Oh God. And Scott's like, No. And he's like, Well, take that office anyway. Oh. And so that's how he got the promotion. <laughs> All right. So this, my brother sends me a screenshot. Uh, from LinkedIn the other day. 
And I, I don't know if I should give this person's name or whatever. So this is what this reminds me of. So the post on LinkedIn says, nobody, you know, the, the blank thing, you know, that, that thing that people do. Nobody, blank. LinkedIn influencers. Yesterday, I was walking to an interview. There was a starving dog on the road. I stopped to feed him and missed the interview. The next day, I got a call asking to come in to do the interview. I was surprised, but I went. The interview came in. It was the dog. <laughs> yeah, that's Scott. That's the Scott story for sure. Yeah. I love, I love like sort of like folksy retellings of the way you got your start. Yeah. And how it just makes you seem like a, uh, oh, I have no motivation whatsoever. I was, I was simply a, a, a farmhand fixing the, 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 the lowly printer. Just happened to be next to this meeting. Oh, God. Yeah. Um, yeah, tough. This comes from Brandon, uh, non-basketball first. Hey, guys, big, long-time fan of the pod, non-basketball. Fall is the season that the debate usually begins about what the ideal home temperature is. I like to set mine to 68 slash 69, nice, but my wife likes to set it at 70 slash 71. Seems small, but it's a very noticeable difference to each of us. What temperature do you like to set your homes to? All right, so my parents are now listening to this podcast, and they know they know what I'm going to say, which is that my parents keep the house at, it claims to be like 64 degrees. <laughs> it's maybe like 42. Like, That's my it's mom. always constantly the coldest it's ever been anywhere. <laughs> and if you're not covered in like three sweatshirts and like six blankets, then like you're to blame. Right. Remarkable stuff. My mom used to say that. Well, why are you wearing shorts and a T-shirt? And I would exactly. always go, because I'm inside. Because I'm inside. Because yeah. I'm inside. Um, so, you know, once... I, I think there I think are, 69. I think 69 is nice. Yes. I think there... Look, there are a lot of different um, uh, things that can apply to this. First of all, I have electric heat, which is expensive. And I believe that I am, I am more... I prefer a lower number. I'll, I'll tell a short story. It was the dog. No, <laughs> short story. When I moved back to Philly from Chicago, my mom convinced me to rent this like really high ceiling loft. And it was a big, there were no walls in the place. It was just a big empty place. And no matter, uh, it had electric heat. And no matter what I did, I could not warm up the apartment. So I started sleeping in like hoodies and winter hats because there was just nothing I could do. So I got used to sleeping when it was cold. Fast forward to now, they're married, live in the house and like, and I pay the electric bills and I have electric heat. And like, I don't like the $280 electric bill that comes with the heat. So to me, I'm a 67, 68 type guy, whereas my wife is a 71 or 72. Um, 72 is tough. I, I think it's a lot, but it, you know that she she wants it warmer in here. It's just it's yeah. never gonna get that warm. It's just we have a, a split level, so there's no door into the basement. I I just yeah put on a well, the most most places in LA like most apartments in LA don't have or at least like non like new buildings don't have air conditioning because right. it's just like you're by the, you're you know you're by the beach whatever yep. especially on this side of town um, and. Uh, and so for, we've been here for a long time. And so for a while, we've just been, we were just like, we can just be fine and keep open the windows and stuff. Um, and just before the pandemic, uh, Alyssa got a, uh, a second air conditioner. And I 
we would have, if we had not gotten this air conditioner, we would have either broken up or died. It would have been, it was legitimately life and relationship saving in so many ways. <laughs> to the point that she like brags about it all the time. She's like, well, if I didn't get that second air conditioner, <laughs> we would be in big trouble like, all, all the time. And, uh, and she's right. It was, a, it was a huge save. Well, and for what it's worth, like, I'm not going to set mine to 68 during the summer. Like that, that's the real question here is I, I am always like, I'm all, I'm always going to err on the side of the cheaper electric bill. I'm sorry. Like that's, <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. Uh, basketball question. Doc Rivers has already agreed to a deal and sources are saying Alvin Gentry may follow to join the staff as an offensive assistant. Ime Udoka played the quote defensive coordinator role last year. How confident would you be in a Rivers Gentry Udoka head of the coaching staff? I don't know. Fine. Uh, I like I like Alvin Gentry. I think he's cool. Um, I think he he's he has a really good reputation as an assistant, a bunch of places, um, and like an offensive innovator, which you don't think about for a guy that's like old, you know. Former um, uh, head coach, so when the Sixers lose three in a row, we could say that he <laughs> could right. just. It's good to have somebody nearby. Yep. Um, no, it'd be great. I I do wonder how much of the um, how much of the coaching staff stays on. If Udoka stays, because mm. people do look at him like he's a rising star. But if if Doc is gonna bring Gentry on, then would Udoka want to not be the number two here? Would he want to try to go somewhere else and it, be the number two there, so then he can jump and get the next coaching spot? He also might get hired as a head coach in one of the places. It was Doc that uh, that hired Thibodeau, right, in Boston, I believe, as defense. Oh yeah, as defense. I think coach. so. Yeah, it is. Uh, uh, it's inter- It's. This is the weird thing where I, there should be an order to things. If something's not working, there should be an order to it. Mm-hmm. And the Sixers deciding to skip to the middle mm-hmm. and hiring a coach before, you know, if, if Doc, say, say two years suck. Say the next two years suck. We lose in the first round, we lose in the second round, whatever. Do you, do you fire Elton? Do you get rid of the front office then? And then you have Doc for three more years? And then that person has their own thing. Like, that's what I'm looking at with, like, the Phillies right now. It's like, clearly, Klintak doesn't have it. He's, do- he's done a bad job, but he just got to hire the head coach. So then is Girardi going to stay when the new GM is coming out? Like, all this stuff is just, there should be an order to doing things in a way if you believe in the people that are making the decisions. And inexplicably, people keep hot- trusting the wrong people. And uh, and it just continues the cycle of like, well, we can't lose this guy, and then we become the Kings. Every every yep. uh, franchise in Philadelphia right now is the Kings. Is the Kings? Yeah. Well, not the Flyers. I, I, I couldn't couldn't tell you. I mean, yeah. <laughs> uh, before we <clears throat> get to the rest of the mailbag, the Rice Ricky Sanchez podcast is brought to you by the uh, our friends at Big Barker Therapeutic Dog Beds. Get yourself a Big Barker. We got a man. We got a new process pup. Wait. What's his name? Hold on, I'm gonna tell you right now. I'm about to put him up. Splinter. Splinter is from Seattle, moved to Philly four years ago, process pup. Um, Watches the games from behind the couch uh, because his dad, Josh, seems to 
get excited during the uh, games, so he sort of hides <laughs> as the Sixers games are going on. Which I is should do that. A smart way to do it. Big Barkers are the only dog bed that your dog should be sleeping on because they're the only real beds made for dogs. You you know you get advertised on Facebook a bunch of dog beds. You see them in the uh, in the aisle, the pet the pet store or whatever, but those are not real beds. Big Barker is the only one engineered by experts to support your dog's joints and really truly give your dog a comfortable night's sleep that is going to be positive for your dog's health. Uh, tons and tons of process pups have have had the advantage of Big Barker dog beds. So go to bigbarker.com slash Ricky, bigbarker.com slash Ricky. You get your Big Barker dog bed. You also get uh, two process pup patches and a handwritten letter from the owner of Big Barker, Eric. He sends a handwritten note to everybody that buys them. Uh, the patches, which you can iron on, the uh, removable Big Barker cover. Uh, even the big, it's not just us talking shit about how it's good for your dog's health. Uh, PenVet also talked shit, did a study, showed a 15% improvement in quality of life with dogs, especially bigger dogs, a reduction in joint stiffness, improvement in joint function, reduction in pain severity, all this stuff. It matters. It matters. What your dog sleeps on matters. What you sleep on matters. You ever go to a hotel with a, or Airbnb or something where the bed is bad and you wake up and your back is creaky? Imagine mm-hmm. sleeping on that every night. Some of you, that's what you're doing with your dogs. Don't do you're that. You're making your dog stay at a shitty Airbnb for their whole life. Come on. Who wants to do that? Nobody. And you, you think your dog sleeps a lot more than you do. Uh, 10-year warranty on the Big Barker. It's expensive but worth it. The foam doesn't flatten or they replace it for free. A one-year at-home trial. And by the way, when I say it's expensive, when you stretch that out over 10 years, it's not expensive at all. One-year at-home trial. If you don't love it, if your dog doesn't love it, they'll give you a refund, even pay for the shipping. Handmade in the USA. Big Barker dog beds. Woof. I wanted to email... Um, read this email from Russ. This is not in the rundown, but there's a lot of, um, a lot of stuff here. So I told him I could either email him point by point, or we could do it more generally in the mailbag. Two questions. He claims both half basketball. They're not, they're both basketball. With Jimmy Butler in the finals, it seems clear the Sixers, if the Sixers had run it back, they would have made the finals this year. I don't think that's necessarily clear, but whatever making the fact that we let Butler go that much more frustrating. It seems like the Ricky believes the Sixers let him go because Ben either tacitly or explicitly told the Sixers that he wanted to bring the ball up more. The actual reporting doesn't seem to confirm this. Your own Weitzman seems to think it was a true mix between the Sixers wanting Horford and Josh, wanting to keep Brett, and Ben wanting to be on the ball more. And publicly available evidence doesn't really support the theory that Ben would have refused to play with Butler, even long-term. The Sixers drafted Fultz and started him with Ben last season. Ben was apparently totally okay with letting, with letting Shake Milton bring the ball up the floor in the, hostage, in the hostage bubble. It seems more likely to me that the front office just liked Horford, Josh, Brett more than Butler, especially because their work life would be easier without Butler, who's an asshole. Yeah, I... I- I definitely don't think it was the only thing was like Simmons said no because he wants to bring the ball up. Like I don't think that's what it is. I think sort of just like all of it. I think all of it is right. Like it was it was Ben. It was uh, I don't know if they were. I, I think the decision was probably already made before like Horford and Josh Long came into before. the picture. You Long know? before. I um, and I and I again when they were making that decision they were also. Uh, leaking the fact that 
uh, or, or not even leaking it. Josh Harris talking to the press that like we we <laughs> we'll see about Brett's coaching. What was the like in the Toronto series oh, right. during the beginning yeah. of the Toronto series? It well, was like and by the way, Brett like you know wishing all of the writers good luck after the uh, series. Like he thought he was getting fired. Uh, yeah. It, so I I think I don't know. Maybe it was just like an easy an easiness thing. Maybe it was just a the buildup of like everybody's aggravations over the course of the season was well, not, you know, it was just a not worth it for them type of thing. I, I, I'm not sure. I think this email sort of like says something that we've said that we haven't said. Like I've never said Ben said him or me, but like that's also saying that like if you came out of your house one day and you had two flat tires in your car and decided not to drive to work, like, like sometimes you have to read the room and make decisions based on what you know to be true. I like remember it wasn't like they were committing to Jimmy Butler for one year. It would have been a five-year commitment to Jimmy Butler, mm-hmm. given what was going on here. And I think like like them them choosing to keep him here was choosing chaos given what the problem between Ben and Butler was. Again, I will, and I also want to say this, like, like I've said a number of things, a number of things on the podcast have been said in the past that have come to fruition and been true. Like there is no, a sources told me on this podcast, but like, if you think that, that a lot of times I'm talking without any information, you're crazy. Like you're, you're crazy. I'm, I am not going to report. I've never, ever done that. I've never gone reports tell me, but it's also no accident that like, I'm not saying things just because I believe them. Uh, sometimes I'm saying things because I like, I know them to be true. It's not an accident that the first thing that leaked out during free agency day was Ben Simmons's contract extension. This is like not an accident. Like, I think they believe they had to make a choice between Ben and Jimmy at that point. Uh, Although it it encompassed a lot of things, that's the choice they were making. Now, if you want to say they shouldn't have made, like, that was the easy thing to do and they should have done the hard thing, I guess. But there's not a lot of, like... Ben did not seem totally okay to me with Shake Milton bringing the ball up. Like that happened a total of two games. And then what we did see in the bubble, by the way, was like that Ben that we saw in the first game, the on the elbow Ben and shooting threes Ben and the power forward Ben didn't happen again. It didn't happen again. He started bringing the ball up. Like it, it, it looks sort of like the old Sixers with Ben. So I, I guess I just don't believe that it's, he's as okay with everything as you think. Um, I think it is very clear that he didn't want to play with Jimmy Butler. I think it was very clear that Jimmy Butler didn't want to play with Ben if he did, if he had to split ball handling responsibilities. And you saying that they should have just like signed everybody and dealt with it, maybe. But like, I, I also don't think that this situation was prepared for that. So I, I think the Sixers have a a total lack across the board, everywhere in the organization, of people who like are like for lack of to sound really like pious about this but like have like integrity and having like a really straight up conversation about what's going on i think that joel and ben i think set the tone because they're not like sit down and like hash things out people they have their own you know their 
largely absent from like the Sixers leadership, which is Tobias. Um, they kind of like do their own thing. They both do. I think that not to say they don't care, but they're not like a, hey, let's like work this shit out. Let's talk about this. So we're on the same page. And I think Brett was the same way. I think uh, there was that one story. I'm, I'm, maybe you can remind me, but like there's one story of Brett, like, why did nobody tell me about this with Embiid when he like his staff like confronted him about Embiid being like shitty to as a rookie Embiid being shitty to like the person, the trainers and stuff. And like, was that a a your own, was like, that in the book? It might have been. I sort of think it was in the book. Um, and we know that Scott O'Neill is not like that, and Brian wasn't like that, because uh, Scott especially is like a slimy, like go behind someone's back and report something person, and not like a let's have a conversation on the level because he's got like you know eighteen Machiavellian uh, games he's playing at any given time, and so I and and I think Jimmy was a guy who was like. To, you know, for better or for worse, obviously for, in many organizations, it's been for worse. But, like, he's a guy that wants to, like, hash it out and be honest and sometimes be, like, caustically honest. Um, and I think that rubbed people the wrong way. And I think the Sixers are mostly, like, when you leave a meeting in a in a at, at office where you're like, okay, we're having, like, an all-hands meeting, whatever it is. I don't know. I don't know what it's like in regular world. But, in, like, in I've had a couple, like the whole writing staff comes in and you talk about like, hey, here's what's fucking going wrong type of thing. Mm-hmm. And with the intent of we're going to come out of this and we're going to know, like we're going to be on the same page. And it seems like, and I've been in these meetings also where it's, we just have like meeting and people are kind of like saying some things and not saying others and withholding and other stuff. And then you leave the meeting and you're like, what the fuck was the point of that? Did we get did we get anywhere? And I feel like Jimmy's a guy who wants to hash that shit out, and the Sixers are filled with people who don't. And uh, it, it's just leadership uh, void all, all the way top to bottom. I don't think Jimmy's a fit everywhere, but clearly in Miami, when they when they do have that, you know, Pat Riley style, like let's fucking talk about this shit, and this is how it's going to be. Everybody say their piece, type of way, that works. In here and many other places, it didn't, and I think that's not that not that like you have to be like heat culture shit like so obnoxiously, and not that like being an asshole is actually good, but you got to have leadership from the top down that sets the tone, and the Sixers don't have that. Right, and and I like also this is the first year Butler was in Miami. His his first year everywhere was fine, um, and I, I would also say that there was far more. <laughs> what about here? What's that? He was only here for 75% of his season. I, I, he, but his first year in Minnesota was fine. He was in Chicago for a little while. I, all I'm saying is, like, let's not let, like, the... Like, if Ben Simmons shoots, w- w- that'll be the next question. The other thing I, w- I would say, his second question, the other thing I would say is that, like... Um, wait, what was I going to say? Um, Jimmy... Oh, there was more chaos here than was reported. With, with Jimmy. Like, that's that's 100% true. 100% true. There was more chaos here than was reported. And so like, probably, I would imagine that's everywhere, though. He, he, but, but, like, well, you can say that, but you could also say that about, like, there are, like, he made it clear that, he, like, he made it very, very clear behind the scenes that, the, that things were going to go his way 
or he wanted out of here. And for a team that didn't have a way, there was no option there. You know what I mean? Like, like to your point, it's, it's his way or the highway is a much easier thing to demand when like the team doesn't have a way, I yeah. guess, is what I'm saying. And then the second question, no trolling, I swear. I think you guys are, being, are straight up defaming Ben uh, for being, quote, a head case and not shooting threes. By the way, I don't think we've ever called him a head case. No. And his coach, his brother, um, and someone else like confirmed in an article with a uh, with interviews with Ben on ESPN.com by Jackie McMullen that he had seen a sports psychologist about the shooting. So that wasn't like us. He shoots 60% on free throws. He's shown almost no touch around the rim, and he's obviously not comfortable putting up threes. What actual impact on the team would chucking two wide open three threes per game have on the team? Not guarding bad three point shooters is the main tenet of the is the main tenet of the majority of the best defenses in the league. No one would guard him. Putting Ben in the corner means he can't even do the stuff he does well: pass and rebound. If you're worried about quote spacing, you need actual shooters, and Ben will never be a good enough shooter. The idea that Ben is not shooting is a top ten problem with the Sixers offense is crazy. Uh, but it's the most disgusting thing because we love to talk about players' mental blocks because it allows us to take superhuman athletes like Ben down to our level. But you know, Ben seems like a nice guy and is a great basketball player. Maybe we shouldn't perpetuate the nonsense. Yeah, so that's 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 wrong. All of that is wrong. Right. Um, okay. Thank you. I've never. It's like it's a choice. He's making a choice not to shoot, and he should. And he's done it in places, not. On the NBA court, he's, we see it in practice videos. He posts those videos. Um, he talks about shooting. His brothers talk about shooting. Like they, he, everybody wants him to shoot. Everybody does. Uh, and the idea that, like, now the Sixers don't have theoretically. If the Sixers had like Donovan Mitchell, for example, or even like someone worse uh, that gets to the rim off the dribble from like more than eight feet away. Um, it's good to have space in the lane. Right. And even if, even if they're not, even if they don't cover Ben, even if you're, you're playing, you're sagging 20 feet, not 20, but like 10 feet off Ben on the three-point line. If you're sagging off, off him and you're looking the other way, then he can then dart in and as a cutter and like get an offensive rebound off that. Like just simply being spaced out you can't control what the defense does but you can control what you do and having more space to do stuff is a good thing and compared to a lot of the Sixers shots that they got this year I would absolutely take a wide open Ben Simmons 3 to most of those shots 100% he can shoot he can shoot is he a great shooter no but he's not going to get to become a like fine league average even Giannis level, hopefully better than Giannis level type shooter, unless he does it regularly. So, why are we why why should we artificially cap the kind of player he can be if he adds things to his game? It's like saying like why would we ask this person to go left when they are so good going right? Stop making them go left. <laughs> like get better at it. You can improve, and then your game can evolve, and we can be a better team. Well, I, I think the, the biggest, first of all, we've never called him a head case. We're no. not defaming him. And, and like it, it's, again, it's obvious. It's 
uh, it's become a mental thing for him. Um, and that, by the way, like, of like, I'm, I don't think we've ever been, like, just because it's true and we say it's true doesn't mean that we're saying that that is like easy or whatever. But the other thing, the other sort of like false, um, the other straw man here is that we think he should shoot even though he'll be very, very bad at it. Like my point always has been, you, you have to be good at some of these things. Like, I don't want him to shoot and be bad at it. I want him to shoot and be good at it. That's, that's my point. And if the point is he's a bad free throw shooter, he doesn't show, show good touch around the rim, he doesn't shoot threes, he doesn't get to the free throw line, and he's not the center, then, then you shouldn't be paying him $30 million a year. Like, what, what really comes to this is that, like, if, if, he, if he can't play on ball in the playoffs in terms of, like, a, a, lead, a lead playmaker because of this thing, um, and he can't play off ball because he won't shoot and he's not the center, um, and he, he, he doesn't do things that centers do, um, and he doesn't even shoot free throws well, well, then you have to rethink, like, him being a a $30 million a year player, I think. Like, the, the thing that makes him valuable will be that he can do all of those things. And I don't think LeBron never became, LeBron had one year where he was a really, really good three-point shooter. Um, even Jason Kidd, where, which, who everyone points to, right. or, or Rondo became willing and capable, as, as that says. And it, like, I don't know, it, it, it makes an enormous difference. I yeah, I, it's very clear on the podcast that I think Ben Simmons is better than you think Ben Simmons is. I think he's better Currently. than you think he is right now. Yes. And I want him to shoot. I want him to right. shoot threes. I want him to shoot open threes. I don't, I'm not asking him to all of a sudden be Tyler Hero and like take shit off the dribble and, you know, duck around screens to shoot threes. Like, I'm not asking that. I need him to space the floor and shoot open threes when the ball is swung to him so that it changes the way the Sixers are defended and the, the, the type of shots that they can get. And I want them to get a guy who can dribble to the basket and s- score because they don't have enough of those guys so that there are more, you can use Simmons in more versatile ways as a, as a screen and roller, passing out of the short roll, whatever. And I have always said that I want Ben to take either one more dribble or one more step so he can dunk more inside and not do the like sort of fading away from the rim and, and, and shying away from contact. All of those things will make Ben a top 15 player in the league. And he's close to that. It's, these are all doable. He just has to like, decide to do it um the final question for the mailbag i I debated whether to put this one in or not but i think it is interesting this comes from kyle spike and mike now that the hiring is official i keep thinking back to doc rivers post-game interview from a few weeks ago slamming republicans for inciting fear in americans what he said was obviously very powerful and this was the first thought that came to mind for me in relation to the sixers once he became available I don't mean to get overly political, and Doc is certainly entitled to express his opinion, but do you think it was all discussed or considered when meeting with Harris Blitzer, who are pretty well known to have close ties with the Trump organization? Um, I, like, I, you know, Harris met with, um, what's his, fuck, uh, the son-in-law. Um, Kushner. Kushner. And gave him yeah. a bunch of money. Close, t- close ties with the Trump organization. I don't know what David Blister has, but that said, to me, it seems a bit hit- hypocritical for him to take this job, and I guess 
them to engage him. Knowing, knowing this, considering the people paying a salary have and will likely continue to donate uh, to Trump's campaign. Maybe I'm making something out of nothing, but it's something I'm genuinely, genuinely curious about. Um, I think the, the way the world is, especially the sports world is, when you have these owners or governors, if you want to call them that, um, John Gonzalez wrote a great article in The Ringer about all the political donations in the NBA, um, which is obviously the most progressive league comparatively to baseball or football especially. Um, there's not – most donations are to Republicans. And if, you, and if Doc Rivers feels that Republicans are, uh, you know, not standing up for Black Lives Matter – and uh, fine with the extrajudicial killings of uh, black folks, men and women on the street, then, like, he's got to either, like, leave the game uh, and not play for any teams. Um, really, the only team that uh, donates primarily to non-Republicans is the Lakers. Uh, well, no, 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 that's not true. Steve Ballmer's, like, 100% of his... Right, but Steve Ballmer's also supporting, like he's he was hosting like benefits for police unions and stuff, which is which prior to, you know, the events which are supported by Democrats. Right, of course, but prior to the prior to the events of like this year, really, at least on a national conversation, although it's always been different individually for different politicians and having their own issues with with different stuff, but like primarily the police going into the year was like, everybody loves the police. The police are great. And now that they are like the police are, you know, the police union is, uh, standing in the way of any meaningful change. Um, it's, it's starting to change and stuff. So, uh, but prior to that bomber was like very pro police reform, which means like giving a lot more money to, to the police to, to do, you know, community policing and like, which involves giving them more money, which now is a, is a topic of conversation, uh, in politics locally and nationally. Um, I, I don't think that, look, obviously there are, there are very meaningful stands you can take if you are, if, if you want to be so principled that you cannot play for people or organizations that support these causes. Unfortunately, we live in a world, in a country where like, it's very capitalist in a sense that like you go high up enough, somebody, some company that you're owned by some like shithead, you know, like I've worked for 20th Century Fox, like on shows like there's to hold to hold Doc Rivers to that um, a level of standard is, I think, unfair. Also, da- Doc's dad was a police officer, so he it's it hits close to home in a different way for him. Um, I, I think ultimately like, across the board, this is a uh, it, it is a the. Every the way the world is, the way the country is, you have to just like kind of eat shit and swallow some principles on like a macro level and forget the fact that you're sometimes contributing to like your boss's 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 boss, like doing bad shit in the world. <laughs> like it sucks. Yeah, I, I think. Um, but I don't think we should hold Doc to that account. At all. I don't think I, it, it's really only athletes and coaches that yeah, we that we say, sure. um, well, you don't like. The, your boss's like total total character or political contributions, you should go get a different job. Remember, this is the same Doc Rivers who chose to work for Donald Sterling, right? I mean, mm-hmm. like, and, and so uh, that is not to say this negative. There's also a team of players who chose to work for Donald Sterling. Like, mm-hmm. all, 
the world is is muddier and more complicated than um, than just like I only want to work for good people. Like, what if you get there and you find out? Like, remember, Josh Josh Harris is really just working for a board of a giant fund. And what if you get there and what if Josh Harris is like the most liberal person in the world, like Mr. Liberal, fucking has Bernie Sanders tattooed on his forehead. But you find out that this fund that Josh Harris answers to is full of people that you don't like. Like, where does this end? And I think all you can do is judge the person based on how they act and their actions um, because we're all working for big companies. We're not yeah. everybody, but a lot of people are. I think and, I think you can. It, it is. I think you can judge Doc on how on that kind of thing. I think if if Josh Harris is saying a certain thing and then donating a lot of money to the Trump campaign to in support of the opposite thing, then you can be like, well, that doesn't line up. You know what I mean? But I don't think I don't think you have you have to hold just Doc Rivers to that standard. Um, that feels unfair. Yeah, it, it seems like a standard that would be tough for a lot of people to be held to. Absolutely. Think, you know, absolutely. Um, I, there is. Yeah. Like, the, I, honestly, I, I know this seems like a different thing, but this, this actually comes to me like the way so I'm vegan and like the, um, there, there are a lot of like really bad things that happen the way they produce meat, like just fucking terrible for human rights, for animal rights, for all those sorts of things. Um, and I go to, like events for uh, animal shelters that have meat, like that is served to everybody that are created this way. And I think really at the end of the day, like you will drive yourself crazy um, if you try to hold everybody to the standards that you um, try to hold everybody and and the people who own them and their bosses to the standards that you would like to see. So that not, being not, said, wear a mask, avoid indoor dining, please. Don't keep spreading this virus. I want to go play basketball someday again. <laughs> that was you saying. I, I was a you can't hold everyone to the standards you want, but this is a, a pandemic. You kind of have to. Well, you kind of depend on other not, people. You could just not eat indoors somewhere and 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 tell your not judge people based on just not a safe thing to do. Well, whatever. Um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I do enjoy you. I enjoy you quite. You and your hair. Um, all right. Uh, we will. Uh, I will <laughs> make an indoor dining. I will make a recommendation. This is a separate thing because I yeah. haven't. I haven't been able to read. Like it's too depressing to read so much about like people like the powers that be's response to the current pandemic. So mm -hmm. I really haven't been reading many like deep dive long read stuff about it. Maybe in ten years I I can, but uh, if I'm alive that long. Um, but I will say, literally right before the shutdown happened, um, The Atlantic uh, released a podcast called Floodlines mm -hmm. about uh, Hurricane Katrina mm -hmm. and the, uh, the government response to it. And it's by Van Newkirk. Um, it's really, really good and enlightening and insightful uh, from a time that I was, I was in high school at the time and not paying as much attention to it as I probably should have been. Um, it's really, really good and moving and very well done. So I cannot recommend that enough. It's called Floodlines. It's a podcast. Uh, and it was literally released the day before everything went really to hell, which is uh, oh, really? oddly karmic or cosmic, one of them. Um, cosmic, I think. I don't That's know. Right. That, yeah, I think we, kar karma is like uh, irony. I think we, uh, we probably misclassify that all the time. Okay. Um, 
And the Atlantic, you said it was on? Yeah, it's, I think just search floodlines on the podcast yeah. or whatever. And I think Atlantic is a pace up. I think you get three articles a month. So, so there you go. You can read it for free as long as you No, that's a, it's a podcast. It's free. It's all oh, free. a podcast. It's all okay. Free. Yeah. All right. Uh, are you done with TTP? Yeah. You know Lick Face. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. If you don't fuck with me, then I won't fuck with you. But if you fuck with me, I'm gonna fucking kill you! Thanks for playing